Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. So, Rody, welcome onto the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Thank you. Yes. So, my name is Rody Walter. I'm the founder of Appraised. I started Appraised in about 2012 in my garden shed. I was getting back into into coding, but also I'm uh, I'm in, really interested in how technology can help people at work and be be more productive and get the best out of people. And I thought, well, I'm going to have another crack at this. I'm going to I'm going to see if I can create something. I I've done a lot of kind of performance reviews at my old company at Goldman Sachs uh, and uh, I'd seen what they were doing, what they were trying to achieve, uh, use lots of different technology and I thought actually there's an opportunity here for something better, something that can really be genuinely employee and manager focused uh, and kind of really help that relationship. That's kind of what I'm really interested in. And so I thought, well, I'm going to have a go at doing this. And so, yeah, set up appraised in, in the garden shed and we've kind of grown organically from there. The garden shed leads me into my favorite next question is, is what does this digital workspace mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's a really good uh, kind of intro because I, I loved working in my garden shed. And when I was setting the company up, I thought, do you know what? Look, I've got a chance here to set things up from scratch to, to kind of rethink the way things work. I think there was that book, Rework, came out at the, at the time. I think the yep. setup was written by the Basecamp guys, wasn't it? It was, yep. Yeah, and I thought this this is really exciting, you know. And and I really thought, oh, we could have a, a really interesting, potentially globally distributed, loosely connected bunch of people all working to to create something. And you know, let's let's start with that. The irony is that we didn't end up with that. We ended up with uh, some loosely connected people, and by loosely connected, I mean you know people who are sort of who, who kind of really identify a, good, a kind of intrinsic value in working for the organization and you know what we're trying to achieve, rather than just let's say wanting to get the job to pay the bills. So that's what I was kind mm-hmm. of looking for. Yeah, um, and so the connection was maybe not loose, but instead just very lean. And um, and kind of focus just on like delivering uh, some kind of purpose, sense of purpose. Uh, so yeah, that's how we started out. And then I got a, one extra person came join me in my shed. And then we realized, well, actually, we kind of need to grow. But I was a bit reluctant because I really liked my shed. And anyway, we ended up getting a small office, and then we shared it with another company. And then they sort of sadly started to shrink, and we started to grow in their place. And and then we ended up getting a, a really nice office that we all we all really love, actually. But obviously, um, as I'm sure many of your other guests have said, you know, all of that was kind of turned on its head by the pandemic. And now we're pretty much fully remote. And a lot of people who say, oh, we want to come back in maybe two or three days a week because we really miss it. And now they can. They're in maybe one day a week. <laughs> 
Um, you know, so actually, yeah, it hasn't materialized. It's great kind of influx of people. Well, whereabouts are you based? Sorry, that's probably a good... I'm going to try to visualize your shed and where it's located. Okay. So we're in North London, Kentish okay. Town. Okay, yeah. Uh, now we're in this kind of old piano warehouse, piano factory it used to be, and it's, it's fantastic. It's got loads of character, got no heating, no aircon. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why people haven't been rushing back. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. And, and, your, and your garden shed, I mean, you know, I've got a, what, 10 foot by 5 foot, I think, or something like in my garden. I mean, we're obviously a little bit bigger than that, I'm assuming. It was a bit bigger than that. Uh, not much bigger, though. I think, what, yeah, what's that in meters? I think I was 4 by 3 meters, maybe. Um, yeah, it's probably about, yeah, it's probably a little smaller yeah. than that, yeah. Uh, usually when I talk to someone from the UK, they like like everything in feet. <laughs> I was trying to do the like, conversion of my head yeah. from meters to, to feet. I think it's eight, eight by six. I oh, know, I'm completely confused now. Because it's funny you mentioned that, because I, I um, during, during the lockdown last year, uh, I've got a room that's been allocated for my study, but I was contemplating converting this, this, the, the shed into a study. And I was wondering if it could actually work. And then I thought, you know, the winter's going to be pretty cold. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll avoid it for that but uh yeah yeah so that, so tell us about appraised i mean you, you said you, you, this is your second second shot of it was there a first Good. shot yeah there was actually so um prior to 2012 i set up a business with a friend and we were interested in the same thing it's all about how employees and managers can get the best from each other and we did a lot around performance management training actually we did a lot of training for um, all uh, diplomats and ambassadors um, all around the world, for example, for the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, as it was known. And and being a technologist, I was always thinking there's got to be a tool that can can help. So when we've done our training, we can leave something in place with our clients that we can continue the work we've done in the in the classrooms. And um, that's that's you know what we attempted, but that was in the you know 2006, 2007. And the idea of software as a service was not um, hugely mm. popular at the time. You know, there were, there were huge kind of concerns around security and data um, jurisdiction and things like that. And so um, it was hard. Um, but actually, in 2012, the timing was right. People, we were also having this kind of con um, consumerization of enterprise apps. You know, people yeah. was, had been using Facebook and Gmail for a while, and they were thinking, well, why can't I have this experience at work? as well yeah and so it was a great time and a great opportunity to start a new SaaS business okay and that's when you started didn't now did you start in a sort of field of dreams build it and they'll come i think or did you have a customer that was helping you pay for the build i didn't have a customer but i oh well actually what i did have was some great beta tester beta test customers yeah and who were kind of people i'd worked with in the past um, they weren't necessarily giving me any guidance or anything like that, but they did say that they would try it out. So that was good. And I knew that that was hugely valuable. But otherwise, I just did the kind of classic Eric Ries Lean Startup thing. I built a, a very much an MVP. Um, I put up a terrible website that was literally one page with four images, one of which was Photoshopped and you know didn't even exist in the product. <laughs> and got some signups. And then I said, great, look, you know, Full disclosure, this is a work in progress. This is an MVP. Um, uh, but do you want to test it? Do you want to have a go for free? And um, I got some good traction. And actually, the, the, you know, 
it took something like only three months to finish off some of the kind of bits that were missing, the really that were really crucially missing. And uh, you know, I was able to then start billing those customers and get new ones and use them as re- referrals for other people and so on. And so, um, yeah, it was actually quite a good, good experience. And just give me a, a feel. Were you, were, you, were you coding the application yourself, or did you hire send that to, the, to India or somewhere like that to do the build? Or I was doing it myself, and it was something that I'd stepped away from in the previous ten years. But you know, at university, I taught myself to code a long time ago, and and I love coding, and uh, it's kind of addictive. And um, you know, I just couldn't <laughs> help myself. And actually, it took a long time for me to let go. And I've now got a brilliant tech team uh, who do all the development work. And you know, they've almost, but not quite, locked me out completely. And that's mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I know about because I was going to ask you if you got addicted because that that's the one reason why I try and avoid it because if I, I know if I start then then other things will will, will not happen so <laughs> exactly right exactly yeah. yeah so so tell me about how appraise works in it and how has it worked in this new world well yeah. some of this is not new but you know how does it how does it how does it fold out okay well okay for those listeners who don't know much about appraise it's it's an online performance management system so it does. It really manages that, yeah, that relationship between employee and manager. So it's about having check-ins uh, with each other, doing maybe the occasional bigger review around some competencies or skills, perhaps, or your career. It helps you set uh, and define objectives or OKRs that you should be working towards and review those periodically. It helps people give and receive feedback. It helps you set a personal development plan. Okay, so to HR people, this will be um, pretty standard stuff. And obviously for HR, it's great. They can log in and get all the insights and data out of this. Now, what happened during the pandemic was was really, really interesting. Obviously, everyone moving to working from home and we've got millions of people who are managers trying to think about how how they can get the best out of their team members via Zoom, basically, without seeing them in person, without being around them, without being able to call them into their office or have a meeting or anything like that. And so, you know, we did some interesting, so immediately we just thought, well, let's, let, we had some good ideas. Let's just get these out there and see what happens. So for, the first thing was we created this working from home check-in, which was place the emphasis on two different things. One is your productivity. Like, are you actually able to get the stuff that you need to done? Is Are things like communication breaking down because and slowing you down at work? So that was it focused on that and also on your well-being. You know, what's your mental state? And we had things like um, checkboxes where you could say how you're feeling. And it was a very kind of low risk way of talking about how your well-being to your manager with whom you might not have done previously. So you could tick several boxes. And this is what we found. People would tick things like, I'm fine, bit anxious and stuff like that, which basically means I'm kind of fine most of the time, but occasionally, you know, feel a bit anxious and so on, which is totally normal and human to be expected. And it Mm. was a really nice way of getting those sorts of conversations going with our client organizations that perhaps had never really happened before. So it was a really nice way of introducing topic of well-being to organizations. And then the other thing we did, we just did some nice little helper things, which was um, you can you can do a video call through Appraised, for example. So if you're having your check-in with your manager, you just click a button and you can they pop up in a in a video call, you know, within the window. And obviously everyone has Zoom and Slack and stuff like that. But 
what we have found with check-ins or any kind of online meeting is that if there's any friction involved, it can set things back by five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or, or the meeting gets cancelled if someone can't find the details. Or can't so we just try to remove the friction from the process of having this one-to-one meeting with your, this, with your mm. manager. And so that was interesting. So we put those out there. We just saw how clients took them up. And some of them said that, you know, we had some clients saying, this is a lifesaver. This is genuinely brilliant. So that was fantastic. So for some organizations, it was really, really helpful. Uh, and we got fantastic feedback that was really useful to us so that we could continue to kind of develop the product. But then we found this other thing happening. And I found this myself, which I think is really interesting about the digital workspace, which is that people were really enjoying their one-to-ones they had with their manager when they were at home and they were doing it over Zoom. So because a lot of people like to think, oh, we, we've got to get away from Zoom and, and Teams because, you know, there's just something missing about that kind of face-to-face, in-person thing. You know, you can see the people's body language, you get a much better sense of how they're feeling and stuff like that. But we found that there were a significant number of people who preferred doing their check-ins remotely. And the reasons they gave were things like, well, I'm at home, I'm in a place of absolute comfort and safety. Mm. I'm not, you know, this is my territory. My manager's in their territory. It's absolutely fine. Um, I am on my own. There's nobody else around me looking at what's going on. There's nobody going into a, a glass paneled uh, office and, and people kind of wondering why they're going to have a, a half hour chat with their manager. You know, and you see people walking in an open plan office. I mean, in our office, we don't even have a meeting room. So it's very hard to do one-to-ones. I would take people out to um, the cafe and things like that. But now that we can do it through Zoom, I'm not saying that we should replace them. You know, people should do what they want. But for a lot of people, it's worked very, very well. And that's been fascinating to me. But I can hear what you're saying because, you know, like I ran out of a coffee now before our call, that took me one minute. Now, if I had to run to get it at the machine that everyone else is sharing and there's five people ahead of me, now I'm going, oh, I really wanted a cup of coffee before this meeting. It yep. all compounds. Um, and, it, and it sounds like silly little small things, but it's the small yep. things that actually make the big things in the end sometimes. Um, so I can totally understand that. Um, and then I find that the sort of converse for me, and you're talking about um, staff, you know, wanting in an office and then they only come in one day a week versus three days a week, et cetera. I, I don't have an office now where I am, but I do go and see people in their offices every so often just so I get that feeling yep. of an office. And it's and even just to go have a meeting, you know, even though I might be doing the meeting on, on the phone in, a, in an office environment, it's like an adventure, which gets me really amped to go sit there. And sometimes I spend the whole day there just because now I'm in a different place. And I've got whiteboards and I can think and stuff um, whilst doing some calls. It's, yeah, I, I, think it, I think it creates almost the right kind of context uh, for, for doing things. Absolutely. Um, so many things I think are about getting into the right frame of mind and your surroundings are a big part of that. It's difficult mm. to, you know, we really associate ways of thinking, I think, with rooms and buildings and smells, sights, sounds, everything. And, you know, they trigger a sort of certain um, mindset. So hmm. there is, there's a lot to be said for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing, I mean, you, you mentioned that I was actually talking with my, my father-in-law this morning 
dropped a call for the, the shop and it was coming back. He, he, he was picking me up and he wanted to pick up his newspaper. And we drove past the local coffee shop and he was saying, geez, that coffee shop is busy. And I was like, yeah, because people go and sit in the coffee shop and they work for the morning. He said, and, and you know, he's always worked from home like, like I have. And he said, well, why would they do this? Because, you know, you can sit in this busy environment and get the noise. Someone will bring you coffee. You can do a little bit of work on the Wi-Fi because now, you know, Wi-Fi is all over the place. They'll get some stuff out. They'll feel like they've started the day quite positively, and then they go go home and do the rest of the stuff, or they go to the office. And the Karen, he said, he never even thought of it. Like he never crossed his mind that you could go and do that. I said, yeah, well, yes, the technology is there. You just got to know how to use it. Okay, fair. He struggles in that space, but yeah, you know, you could see almost the the, the, the sort of the thought dawning on him that he could actually go to Mugging Bean, which is the coffee shop, have a cup of coffee, do some work, mm-hmm. and do some other, go somewhere else and do the next thing. You know, the whole remote working actually becoming mobile working. Yes, absolutely. And is it, yeah, is it conceivable that you might have, you know, going back to the office, that you might have a few days in an office where you see your colleagues but you, and you maybe do a few meetings that are genuinely better together um, mm. in person, but then you have, a every Friday, let's say you're at home, and that's your kind of management day when you're that's maybe when you talk to your your team members and you have those slightly deeper conversations with them that that are difficult to have in the kind of buzzy environment of, of an office where actually if they're at home and you're at home and you're talking over the web, actually that makes quite a nice comfortable environment for you, for people to be able to open up and talk about their concerns or their aspirations or uh, what they would really like to achieve um, and so on. I mean, each of their own, I guess. What, what I like about sort of some of the positioning with, with your product is you're looking for continuous feedback. Because mm-hmm. um, often I, what I found, uh, and I'm not sure if this is common for everyone, but, but I find sometimes some people feel more comfortable only telling you what they, what they think or what they feel in a scheduled slot. Right. So if, you tell, if you're going to say, I want to one is every week at three o'clock on a Wednesday, they'll wait the whole week. You know, even if it happened on the Thursday, the week before, they'll wait till the next Wednesday to tell you about the issue. And you're like, why don't you just tell me when it happened you know, or, or that day? You know? um, so I, I like the idea of providing systems that, that are, con- are um, as much as they're synchronous, they can be asynchronous as well. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's a really, really interesting point. And I... Yeah, I have a sort of small story around that. So we had one client where they had, they were using a praise to do continuous performance management. So they were doing check-ins. You could do a check-in whenever you liked. Um, they also had it set up. So they had a big competency framework that was right for their industry. It was a, it was a really good one. Um, they had very kind of specific technical skills that they wanted people to be aware of and develop. And they had quite, I thought, a great, um, flexible system. So you could have a check-in with your manager whenever you liked. And if you wanted to have a career discussion with your manager, you could. And um, at that point, the manager would pull up on the system, the competency framework and say, okay, you want to have a career discussion. This is how we, these are, these are the skills you need at different levels. Let's take a look. Let's, And I can give you my kind of fairly objective assessment on all of these things. But the important thing is there that the employee had kind of invited the manager to make an assessment of them so it wasn't this is what we're doing every year for everyone 1000 people at december you know once a year and it's a real pain mm. this is the employee saying i would like you to to 
gauge my skills on this framework and so that I can understand what I need to improve. And that went down very, very well. Anyway, we then there was a big change of, um, of staff and uh, an interim HR director came in and said, this is, you know, this is ridiculous. We don't need a system to have check-ins. You know, why I can just go and ask my, my boss for a check-in and we'll just go and we'll have one. And um, we then looked at this, the, I was like, oh, hang on a second, okay. And we had a look at the data from the system, which showed that actually people were using this a lot throughout the firm. And it, it, it sort of came out through a, a few workshops that there was this feeling by employees that they felt you, such a simple thing, okay, but in appraise there's a button that says, schedule a check-in with my manager or start a check-in with my manager. And just the fact that there was a button there that employees could click that said to, to do this meant that they felt authorized to do it. And this was in a firm where previously the culture had been, you don't do this. You wait until your manager invites you to have a check-in. And this was kind of eye-opening for this HRD. And um, we, you know, we found it very, very interesting and it was very revealing that actually just being able to give employees authorization to request a check-in meant a huge amount of difference. And it really meant a difference to the managers as well, because they knew there was a point to doing them as well, that they were valued. Um, whereas, you know, as a manager, quite often you think, do I really need to have a check-in with this person? They're doing fine. I just want them to carry on. Mm. And what you can forget as a manager is that much of the value is for the employee and they yes. benefit from this and they like having it. They like having the reassurance. They like getting the feedback. And it's easy to forget that as a manager. And so, yeah, it, it, it's just an interesting thing about how the user experience of something or the user interface can modify behavior. Yeah, and well, as I was going to say that it, it, it was to me that button was a prompt. Um, and if that button isn't there, it, it, you know, we all get busy and it's so easy to, to not have those things. And, and I mean, I've, I've been criticized for my career, but, you know, whenever we discuss something, I always say, well, book it in now. Book in the, let's book the meeting. Let's book yeah. the thing. Yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, but we'll, we won't forget. I'm like, yeah, but the point is not that you won't forget. The point is that there'll be something else that'll, that'll become, you know, top of mind. We'll never do that thing because there'll always be something else. And that all kind of keeps pushing further and further down the list. Absolutely. Until one day someone says, why do we never do that? And we'll go, well, we never booked it in. We never, you know, put the, we never put the systems in place that helped us, yeah. you know, execute on it. Absolutely. So, 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 so I totally buy into that. Um, out of interest, did they, did they have a reverse course on that? Did they bring it all back? Or they did. did. They, okay. they did. So uh, the interim said, okay, great. There's great data from the system to show that it was well adopted plus this kind of interesting feedback that we discovered around the, the cultural stuff. And it was very interesting because she was, she was very, very interested in culture and she felt like systems are kind of... Anti-culture. It's, it's a distraction. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it shouldn't be... You should, we should think about culture without systems. And, uh, you know, it was, it was almost a, a sort of a mantra, um, whereas actually I think we were able to show that they can go hand in hand. And um, and so yeah, she left saying yeah, let, let's let's carry on. And then the new, more kind of permanent team have really taken it and run with it. 
It's, a, it's actually a bizarre way of thinking about it because if you if you think about something that's non-work related, you think about being a being a fan of a sports team. Mm. The the reason why you're a fan of a sports team fundamentally is that it's regular. You know, it's yeah. something to look forward to every weekend or however long they play. Um, and that's what creates the culture of it. And then you've got because it's happening regularly, you've got things you can talk to or talk about with other people, which creates a bond, which creates a culture. And you know, depending on on who you're talking to, becomes a positive thing or a negative thing. But but the point is, you you're getting you need that you need that rigor in order to to get it to happen. Absolutely. As informal as it is, yeah. You know, and again, when it comes to technology, you know, you think about our culture. We 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 now have a culture in which it is acceptable to be ten or fifteen or, or thirty minutes late. Or meeting a friend, and that's because we have mobile phones where you can just text them and say, "I'm, I'm really sorry, but I'm, I'm running late," or mm. whatever. And they'll say, "Fine, I'll, I'll just, you know, do this." We have a culture where, you know, you um, you don't need to really think about how you're going to get home at the end of the night because you know you can use an app to to get, call a taxi. So, so technology really does change behavior, and um, you know that's. That's why I think it's so interesting at work, in a workplace, you know. I, I, lo- I love, I'm fascinated in how consumer technology ideas then kind of infiltrate the enterprise. And, yeah. uh, you know, because it always seems like the, 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 con- the consumer stuff tends to lead the way. And then, um, you know, people find a way to put it to, to use at work. Well, it, it it didn't used to. I mean, if you if you compare it to say, um, well, let's look at cars. Like Formula One used to, used to lead innovation in in cars. You know, the the braking systems, the engines, the fuel efficiency, all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of the same thing. I think I think the innovation now in the, the market, and you look at a Tesla or or any of those electric electric vehicles. You know, they're driving innovation much faster than than Formula One is. Um, and I think it's probably because there's there's more funds and more innovative, more um, incentives to do that. But you know, for a long time in the corporates, you know, if you wanted to get a laptop, a work laptop was seen as a big status symbol. But you know, 20 years ago, because to go and buy a laptop was so yeah. expensive, the only way you'd get one is if, if a corporate was paying for it. You know, nowadays you can walk into any shop almost and buy anything. You know, for 100 bucks, um, yes. may not be the best thing. But if you just need to use Excel and, and Word or a notepad or check your email, it'll work, you know, That's fundamentally. Right. Yeah, as an, as an employer, you, you now have to, offer, you have to offer things that are consumer grade and that's seen as mm. higher. You have to offer a um, fantastic MacBook Pro and a great screen, incredible desk, incredible coffee. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, you <laughs> and so on. So it's you know it's it's tough now. I think the kind of con- consumer side of life is is in the driving seat a little bit. I actually did work with an organisation, and, and I was in a a meeting with a, with some of the C people, and um, I remember one of them saying that if we don't offer the grads coming in here, you know, as you as you say, consumer level technology. An Apple, an Apple device, or something like that. They're going to go to the other guys, the competitors. Yeah, yeah. And and it doesn't even matter that there's no branded app, you know, for the company on that on that device. It doesn't even matter. They just want the device because that that yeah. shows that they are connected and they're and they're with it. 
Um, yes. Now, if you fast forward, what would be five years, six years, you know, they've they've taken a whole mobile first strategy and all their work is done through um, devices, you know, iPads or, or similar. And most of them are rugged devices. So I think they're using iPads with, with rugged gear. But the point is that that actually changed the whole business because they realized that they needed, the, and I think there's a level of the cheaper raw, cheaper resources, the cheaper re- is the younger resource. Um, but there's, you know, they're going to do inspections and all that kind of stuff, which is typically what you'd be doing as, a, as, the, as the, the new guy on the block, whether you're the youngest or not. Um, but it actually fundamentally changed the business and it made them more profitable in some senses. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um yeah it's it's really interesting i mean just going back to digital workspace then one of the things we said we have a client who manages security guards cleaning professionals uh and other kind of facilities people um all over the uk and if you go to common garden market in london and you see someone working there you will know that they have a a three monthly, a quarterly check-in with their manager on our system. Yeah. And it, I, they are so progressive compared to some organizations I've come across who really should have, there are no obstacles to having regular reviews with, the, with their manager, but they still just do it once a year. There are, there are big law firms, insurance companies, accountancy mm. firms who are not as progressive as this facilities management uh, organization. And they've totally embraced it. And yeah, the managers go around with iPads and, um, you know, and and really make use of that kind of consumer technology to make it really, really easy. Because as you can imagine, the the friction of potential obstacles there are to to getting those people in a room and having a sitting down and having a a formal review or something like that, that are considerable. And uh, yeah, just being able to use this technology on the street, in the market, wherever, it just has been transformative. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I I had a a very good manager many years ago who he used to say, because you should be, you should almost be talking daily. Um, And it's not so much having a, you know, a a book session every day to talk about it, but but as a a manager, you should be talking to your your team all the time. So you always have a feel for where they are. and then when you do have the the sort of quarterly, monthly, whatever it is, it's it's a lot less um, daunting from both sides, because often what happens is the manager feels like they've got to be like really prepared for this meeting. The employee feels like they also need to be really prepared for this meeting, so they're both stressed about it. Meanwhile, if you're doing constant little updates, then all you're really doing is going through the updates for the last ninety days, sixty days, whatever it is, and talking about the the positive stuff or, or the next steps because you've already you don't have to you have don't have to rehash um yeah. things you thought you said a month ago or whatever it was absolutely there's a, one of the, the the problems with the kind of a, the old annual appraisal is this thing of recency bias which is you know you bias the conversation and and your the outcomes based on what you can remember which is clearly you know what what's happened most recently and um, so that is a problem, and, and uh, hence the kind of the rise of the this continuous performance management, which is which is great. Um, having said that, one thing I found fascinating is that there are all many organisations, well-known organisations, that have moved to continuous performance management. But the an annual something, an annual review, has crept back in, and it's 
I find this fascinating because people have been writing about the death of the annual appraisal for decades, and but it just won't seem to go away. And it turns out that the, the best thing, certainly in my view, is that we have these, this continuous performance management. We have regular feedback and recognition and praise and check-ins and, and discussion. But actually, it is quite helpful once a year to look back and reflect over all of those check-ins, mm. pull all the data together and say, okay, look, this is interesting. Had a bit of a blip um, midway through the year and we can use the system to tell us this. Um, and here you, you know, you were really hoping for this. Did it happen? Yes, it did. That's fantastic. You know, well done. And put, you know, let's let's reflect on the fact that you've actually achieved more than you thought you would if, if you have, you know, and, and so on. And actually a 12 month thing is quite a good, a good time to reflect and then think about what could what might happen over the next 12 months. And it's certainly that's what I do around um New Year. You know, you come to the end of the year, it's that time between Christmas and New Year, which is a bit, everything's a bit slow and you can be a bit more reflective and you're thinking about what am I doing in life? Am I doing the right things? What would I like to do differently next year? Um, it's a very natural process. So I think what works really well is a combination of those two things. I mean, I think, and, and I think you're, the word you use reflection probably makes more sense than yes. anything else. Um, and and you, so, you, on your point around um, recent, would you say recent... Um, Recent experience, recent bias, recency bias. Yes, I mean one of the arguments that I've heard for for people saying that you need to be in the office, and and I have seen this happen where you know it comes to promotions and 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 appraising people and that sort of thing, and and the line manager or the management chain that's only in the country for for one week a, a quarter, you know they've only seen five people when they've been there, and those are the five people that I remember, because mm-hmm. the other people work from home. And and then I've you know I've been in those discussions where they where they have said well you know that guy's never in the office I don't think they're actually doing their jobs and you're like that guy's like a highest performer, um, <laughs> yeah he just he just doesn't you know for the fifteen hours a week he saves in commuting he does you know thirty hours worth of work so we don't yeah. really you know and he's and he's connected you know you know and he, and he or she is using the tools whatever it was and and I think that's also a factor that that needs to mature uh, and, and maybe. Like you say, the combination of of the annual review and and continuous thing will help do that because they are it, it's almost moving away from the subjective management to Absolutely. to more objective and and um, you know empirical measurement to an extent. Absolutely, Absolutely. So if this if this this kind of um, period in our history has made it more obvious that there is bias in the workplace around who is there and 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 who isn't and and thrown you know into stark kind of reality um or put the spotlight on some of these issues that have been kicking around for decades around i mean whether it's you know someone who's present or not present or perhaps it's about someone who you people who get on with other people you know perhaps they tend to get ahead more easily and you know, so if this whole kind of um, the last couple of years has thrown a spotlight on some of these biases and forced us to come up with more objective ways of mm-hmm. understanding people's contribution, that can only be a good thing. No, totally. Totally get that. Um, so, so I mean, when you go into a, to a business to help them with this stuff, how would you do it? I mean, what, what's the approach? What's, what's a common scenario? So the first thing is we, you know, we ask them why they 
why they got in touch. And it could be a number of reasons. It could be something like, well, we got we did our staff survey and we found out that actually this kind of low engagement, we think we've got these problems. It could be that we've got junior, we've got people leaving at mid-level because they feel like they can't progress anymore because I don't know that there are kind of jobs at the top, that there are people at the top who are blocking their way. Um, we've had people saying there's, there's sort of, we've even heard people saying there's dead wood floating around, you know, like our organization doesn't manage poor performance. And so yeah. people kick around for a long time and that's blocking more aspirational and ambitious people from getting ahead. So it could be something like that, or it could be that they've identified a cultural shift that they want to make that will they, they think will help them compete better and compete for talent better. Or it could be simply that the HR team are just totally snowed under at the at year end doing kind of crazy crazy amounts of work with Excel documents and, and PDF forms coming back from managers with assessments and competencies and ratings and all this kind of stuff. And it's an absolute nightmare. Everyone hates it. And it's just not working for anyone. And But no one's really sort of perhaps questioned why they're doing it that way. So we will take a big step back and say, okay, what is it that you want to achieve? Is it is it genuinely that you really want to rate everybody? Or actually, is, would it be better if you just knew and were confident that every manager is doing a good job looking after each person and that they've got a, a good relationship between each of those, those people? Because that's what we can, we can help with. And so when we, when we work with an organization, we typically imagine a three to six year kind of plan. So we'll say, Okay, in, in within a few months, we can solve the admin problem. That will just be gone. Okay, so we've got a huge amount of time back. So that's fine. But what else? And it'll be things like, okay, well, within three years, actually, we want to grow to this size and we want to get these sorts of results from our employees satisfaction survey or engagement survey. And then we'll work towards getting those. And so we'll set KPIs for each year. And then, you know, someone from our team will help that client kind of um, implement the system, adjust it, add things on, um, and kind of progressively enhance the whole performance management process, starting with something small and bite-sized that people can adapt to very quickly, and then grow from there, adding in things like OKRs and recognition and praise and feedback and different types of check-ins and career development and all that kind of stuff, and kind of gradually build it up. And uh, yeah, you know, work with them to kind of achieve those sort of goals over three years or more. So, so do you bring with you not only a software as a service product, but you obviously bring some level of expertise consultants with you yeah. as part of the deal? And then are they changing anything specific that helps this process, or is it just years of experience and? So we, I, yeah, where we have a mixture. So we we occasionally work with. Um, specialists, consultants who will bring in and they know our system really well and its capabilities, but their focus is on um, culture and engagement and performance management. So they will be, you know, CIPD um, certified or whatever else in their um, region. Plus we have our customer success team who are, they do, they do a little bit of support, technical support, but not really very much. Kind of, that's a very small aspect. But what they do is this helping them to kind of articulate what their KPIs should be. So if they say, 
well, we really want to get this kind of culture. We, we've had, we've got this problem. How do we fix it? And so on. They're very good at translating those to metrics that we can measure and creating forms and templates and questions that will help them measure that data. And mm. also, you know, of course, we've got a community of clients where we can, we, we learn from what's been successful at other organizations um, and can implement it with new organizations. And, you know, we'll sometimes have events where a client will stand up and talk about their, their performance management journey that their organization has been on and what worked mm-hmm. well, what, what didn't work so well. So a lot of it is about the sharing knowledge as well as taking the, the, the latest kind of best, you know, uh, new thoughts coming out of Harvard Business Review or wherever. Mm, sounds good. Um, is there anywhere that you'd want people to get hold of you and get in contact to to have a consultation yeah. to see the product? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love that. You know, I um, so I, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So if anyone would like to connect with me on LinkedIn, just look me up, Roly Walter. And I love getting kind of tricky questions or uh, <laughs> anything kind of provocative, anything like that. Um, I'd love to engage there. But otherwise, yeah, of course, we we have our website um, where people can go and have a look and. We, we write blogs and, and so on. And I, yeah, I always try to try to kind of make sure we have a an interesting voice. It's not just this kind of same old thing. We, we, we always mm-hmm. want to try and put things out there and maybe it's some of them a little bit provocative or unusual, you know, um, but, you know, I think hopefully that, that goes down well. Super. Great. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast and it's been great chatting with you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.